Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Hello, listeners. Now, what has been going on in my philosophy brain lately? Well, I've been thinking about justification. It's not the first time this topic has appeared on the podcast. Lately, I've been thinking specifically about justification on the downside. That is to say, self-justification. What happens in the lives of people who self-justify, who try to defend their own innocence, who try to make out as if they are the ones that are okay, everybody else has the problem, and so on and so forth. In other words, it's it's the method of trying to keep a clear conscience, specifically by explaining away or shifting away, shifting responsibility, casting away any kind of guilt or blame from oneself at every given opportunity. And this typically comes about because of a strong sense of moralism. In other words, a person who has been brought up in probably a very Christian society, uh, like myself, who is taught that it is very important to live morally, to be good, and maybe even for some people to be perfect. Perhaps they had the kind of parents who would not tolerate even the smallest infraction, even if it wasn't really something immoral, but something that they thought to be distasteful or quote-unquote sinful or something like that. And what occurs is that instead of the instillment of humility and the ability to admit that you are wrong, the moment that you do something that is untoward, and you know it, uh, you know that whether it be actually sinful, actually immoral, or just something that your family or church tends to dislike, consider taboo, something like that, you have to make some sort of an adjustment to not admit necessarily that you did wrong, but to somehow figure out how you didn't. In other words, you want to avoid guilt, you want to avoid punishment, and that might be, once again, because whenever guilt, um, whenever your guilt comes up, you have been severely punished, and of course you didn't like that. Maybe you were hit, maybe you were uh, sent into a dark room by yourself, or something like that. Maybe you were grounded. You want to avoid the punishment, so you come up with a number of different ways to not, again, admit your guilt, admit that you did something wrong, but rather prove that you didn't. How do people do this? Well, this is something that's going to be very familiar to every single one of us. Because anybody who has any concept of good and evil, moral and immoral, sinful and righteousness, has been in this place at some point in their lives. I know that I have. I can't think of any examples of people who have not, at least at some point, done these sorts of things. And again, what do they do? Well, they may try to figure out some way to explain how what they actually did, they'll admit that they did this and that, right? But this was exceptional for some reason. There were extenuating circumstances. There is some cause to believe that this is an exception to the rule. Because of X and Y, it was actually okay to do this in this instance. Now, that might not be possible in all cases. Sometimes it is very blatant that you did something either taboo or actually wrong, 
and you can't try to whitewash it by exceptionalism. So what's the next thing that you will do? Well, the next possibility, and it's not necessarily in this order, but another possibility of how you could cast away blame is blaming somebody else for your action. It wasn't you who chose to do X and Y. It was because of the behavior of so-and-so that you were pushed to do this and that. And therefore, the blame doesn't actually lie on you. It doesn't rest on you. It rests on the other person. Now, there is another example that comes to mind. There are certainly going to be many others that I'm sure my listeners could think of quite readily. But the third option that comes to my mind is rather at more of an extreme. And it is a fairly, fairly dark one. This comes not from the sort of person who's just learning how to cast blame and guilt away from themselves, but somebody who has probably been doing this for a good long while. And what it is, is attack. When somebody else notices, or you think they may have noticed, that you did something wrong, what you will try to do, in this case, is cause the other person, or at least somebody who could, could possibly could notice that you did something wrong, and try to make them feel guilty preemptively so that the focus is taken off of you. In other words, you try to belittle them, berate them, insult them, come up with something that they did wrong, etc., etc. And again, this doesn't even have to come from an altercation. It might simply be that you know deep down that you did something wrong. So, out of that impetus... You try to take the focus off of you, and you don't want to take positive focus off of you. You want to take negative focus off of you, so what do you do? You put negative focus onto the other person, whoever that other person might be, or other people, as the case may be. In my opinion, we're watching a number of movements in the West, organizations, groups, doing this very thing, not to individuals, but en masse. Sometimes the individuals, especially if they're running for some sort of political office, but typically they're trying to throw it onto particular people groups, perhaps an entire race or class or something like that. They're guilty of X and Y, but really the reason why they're doing that is because they just burned down Wendy's. Anyway, the reason why somebody would come to this kind of an extreme once again is that they have been on the path of self-justification for a very long time. And I need to go through why somebody would come to such an extreme. If you choose from the outset to self-justify, that is to cast off guilt, to never admit guilt, to essentially refuse to ever admit that you ever do anything wrong, ever, then what is going to occur is that you essentially get a larger and larger bag full of problems, of things that you are hiding. I don't mean that you are going to remember every single thing that you have ever done wrong. What I do mean is that the sense of guilt, the sense of wrongness, the sense of the fact that you are not innocent is going to continue to build up. But the very fact that you are continuing to justify yourself means, psychologically, that you are more and more disposed to hide it. It's just that the hiding becomes bigger and bigger 
and the disillusionment or the cognitive dissonance against any sort of admittance that you are guilty also becomes fuller and fuller. So the larger your guilt becomes, so also your determination to hide from yourself first the fact that you are guilty. And the further this goes along, of course, that sort of cognitive dissonance and that sort of absolute difference between reality and your own mindset brings more and more pressure, more and more bitterness, more and more resentment. And depending on where you are in life, this is possibly all on you. In my opinion, if you are an adult and you are responsible for your own life, your own means, bills, etc., living, and you're continuing to go on this kind of a route in life, that's on you. You're not doing it necessarily because your church is pressuring to, or you to, or because your parents are pressuring you to, or because your family is pressuring you to. If you still have them as part of your life, that might be a problem that you also need to deal with. But if you are continuing to self-justify, that's on you. If you continue down this path, you are continuously trying to hide a bigger and bigger pile of something which you know you don't want to face head on. It becomes this shadow, this demon, if you will, that is constantly at your shoulders, constantly just two feet behind you. And you need to keep running from it and running from it and running from it. You've given in to this idea that you need to be perfect, that your record needs to be clean. So you keep running and running and running. And the only thing you're really defending, though you will not admit it to yourself, is the appearance of innocence, not the reality of innocence. So constantly being two, three feet behind you, you run and you run and you run. The stress of that builds and builds and builds. As the depth of your guilty conscience continues to well, not actually get deeper, but get, begin to get so huge that no matter how deeply you bury it, it's beginning to unearth. The cruelest times, or the, the times when self-justifying people become the most cruel, is when somebody cares about them enough to try to show them their guilt Particularly if this person has been doing it since childhood, has become an adult, and is continuing to self-justify. If somebody else comes along and tries to show them that they need to wake up, that they need to realize everything that they have done wrong, especially if they are now an adult and have abused children as well, it has gone even deeper still. And they, or you perhaps, being the person who needs to guard your, quote, innocence. You rage. You're defending something that to you is most precious. When in reality, you are actually defending the darkest pit of hell, at least that we can experience in this life. And this is really what got me started on this whole train of thought, that self-justifying people are in hell. They don't need to wait until the afterlife. They don't need to be wait they, they don't need to wait until they are literally cast into the fire in the life to come, to be in hell. They're in hell now. If anything, the afterlife is just going to continue that trend. 
they have already begun. So again, if somebody comes to them and begins to poke at what they consider most precious, but what is actually the deepest, darkest pit of hell in their lives, then the only thing they really have to do is defend themselves with aggression, with cruelty, with insults, and again, with the strategy to cast blame, cast the ensconce looks, cast the guilt onto the person who is trying to help them. Actually, the better intentioned, the worse. See, if you were to come to such a person and try to simply berate them, try to belittle them, try to put them down, well, that's the kind of behavior they're very well used to. They've been doing that sort of thing for a while now. This is just blow for blow. But if you come to them with genuine good intent, if you want them to see their guilt for their own good, then you have just hit them with a double insult in their own minds, of course. Because on the one hand, you are unearthing what is the darkest pit of hell in their lives, but to their perception of their self-righteousness, because they self-justify, what you are doing is trying to show, trying to tell them that they are in fact not innocent. The very thing that they have been running from probably since their childhood. The pride of that. The length of time that they have been hiding their quote-unquote guilt and a veil of innocence. They rage. They explode. If you want to see somebody reacting in anger because of the deepest depths of fear, find somebody who self-justifies and caringly, lovingly try to show them their guilt. I've heard about people who try to do this, and they themselves feel terror. I mean the ones who are trying to unveil this guilt. Why are they feeling the terror? Well, I can tell you one thing. There is deep, dark terror going on in the guilty party that they themselves are avoiding. And the one who is trying to reveal to them their guilt is probably very good at empathy. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to do this sort of thing in the first place. Where's the terror coming from? From themselves? Possibly, because, of course, the other person is getting raging and horridly angry. But it might be that they are feeling that terror because they're empathizing with the true terror going on in the guilty party. Self-justifiers are running from a shadow for their entire lives. There is no need for it to ever, ever end. And the further they go, the harder it is to turn around, because the pile, the grave, the pit of decay underneath their feet only gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it becomes more and more impossible for them to hide it, of course, but the one that they have become most skilled in hiding it from is, of course, themselves. Other people will begin to see it. The bitterness rises ever more and more to the top. Anybody who genuinely cares for such people are going to eventually be cast aside, cast away, pushed away, in fact, by the guilty party. Of course. Because the moment they begin to care, they get angry, they get defensive, they get offended, they get horrible and disgusting. The decay of people's lives who self-justify 
will persist and persist and persist until they do one simple thing. And that is to no longer self-justify. This is, as I have mentioned before in the podcast, what is offered by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. This is what has been always offered by God in heaven. Yes, in the Old Testament, the justification came through sacrifice. In the New Testament, it comes through Christ on the cross. In both cases, however, one thing has always been needed. That is repentance. In other words, to do the opposite of self-justification. To admit your guilt. To admit that you are not right. To admit that you are not perfect. To admit that you have done wrong. In my experience, the sort of person who is self-aware and can see that they have made errors and clearly, truly be sorrowful for them and change their minds and change their behaviors, these kinds of people are rare. But these are the ones who are not self-justifying. Self-justification is the normal way of the world, in my opinion. Again, I have seen very few exceptions in my own life. I've seen a few. It is wonderful to behold. Pride, self-justification, hiding guilt. That is what most people are vested in doing. In my opinion, it is even better, in fact, when, or it is at least a little bit better, if people don't bother with self-justification in the first place and just essentially give in to evil and don't care two pence about it. At least they're not just hiding themselves behind this veil of self-justification. But those who self-justify at least know enough to understand that they should be good, they're just not willing to actually do it. See, one of the deep costs of self-justification is the absence of any learning. If you're not willing to admit that you have done wrong, how on earth are you going to correct? You, If you justify your behavior, what you are essentially saying is that it is good or okay or passable, permissible, whatever, excusable maybe. Therefore, you have given yourself every reason to not change. Why would you need to change for something that you don't need forgiveness, repentance, you don't need to apologize for? You don't need to repent. You don't need forgiveness from whoever you did wrong to. You don't need to apologize at all. That's what self-justification is. If, on the other hand, you admit your guilt, you do admit that you have done wrong, that you've been wrong in your mindset or paradigms, maybe even your core beliefs. If you are capable of that, you are capable of change. In previous podcasts, I have talked about the fact that humility is adaptability and it is strength. If you have the humility to admit your own faults, you have the humility, you have the humility, you have the strength to alter to adapt, to change, to grow, to get stronger. I know I'm repeating myself a few times here. The only way to get out of hell on earth in a very literal sense is to take your lumps, is to admit that you have been wrong. 
Now, that's a good first step, and I know of some people who do not believe in God or justification coming from another, but they try to follow virtues, they try to follow values, and they are willing to admit when they have been wrong. And I think that's a pretty good step. I think that that's pretty darn good. But all of us, if we have a moral bone in our bodies, want to be justified. In my opinion, that's just steps one and two. The first step is when we try to justify ourselves. And like I said, we all try to do that. But if we can come to humility and admit that we have done wrong and try to live by virtues and values instead, we can take another step in the right direction. Actually try to begin to live right. And scripture tells us that this is step two. Because once again, in order to have the uh, the forgiveness and the relationship with God in the first place, repentance is necessary. Even though, yes, Jesus freely gave his life on the cross and so on and so forth. Yes, the first step is repentance. And this goes back to my podcasts on forgiveness. There is not an instance where forgiveness is given without repentance, without confrontation with the evildoer and the evildoer admitting their evil. In my opinion, those who choose to forgive without any repentance on the part of the other person are at the core disrespecting free will. Isn't this one of the core tenets of particularly most Protestant Christians, that we have the free will to choose God or to not choose God? Well, if you refuse to ever not forgive somebody, even if they refuse to repent, are you not simply doing the opposite of a Calvinist? In a sense. If everybody needs to be forgiven, then nobody really has a choice about it. But if people want to never repent of their wrongdoing, well, isn't that their choice? We don't want to give them that right. I get that. I understand that pain. But you're either going to acknowledge that human beings have the dignity of free will, or you don't. And if you admit that, then why offer forgiveness for somebody who has never repented? This is the scriptural pathway. Anyway, if you can come to repentance once again in the first place, then there is the final step. And the final step is not any longer being justified by you or your lifestyle, your behavior, your record. Because if you have first repented, you already know your record is not perfect. That is what you have already admitted. So how do you become justified? By cleaning up, by doing better, that's darn good. And if you are genuinely willing to repent, you're going to do that anyway. But you can never become perfect. So how do you justify? How do you become justified? Well, God offers it. God tells us that He, being the Creator of the universe and the perfect One, the One who has never done wrong, says that we can come in. We can return to relationship with him. We can walk in lockstep and parallel with perfection without even having to become fully perfect in the first place. As Paul specifically points out, yes, not giving us this carte blanche to do whatever the heck we want. That's not the point. Again, repentance is the first step. That means you don't do that. 
but you don't have to have a perfect past, nor do you have to have a perfect future. God offers us his relationship, which can only really be had if you are perfect. He gives us the perfection through forgiveness, through sacrifice, through his paying the price to pave the way back to relationship with perfection. We no longer look either to self-justification or to constant guilt-tripping ourselves, oh, I did wrong again, woe is me, woe is me-ism, if you will, to be good, to be justified. And what I mean by good is good in God's eyes. We should seek to be good, in my opinion. You've heard me talk about it over and over again in this podcast. To live virtuously, to live on good values. Absolutely. That's step number one. That is repentance. But if you want to be actually justified, the only faith, the only belief system that I know of on planet Earth that offers anything like that without some sort of ritual or self-loathing or abandonment of your humanity is Christianity. If anything, this is my first podcast where I'm doing what could, is generally called evangelism. I'm giving, in my opinion, the best advertisement that I know of for Christianity. Turn to Christ. Why? Because you'll get exactly what, at the deepest level, every human being craves more than anything else. I do not believe, as I have said before, that human beings seek happiness the most. I believe they seek justification. And why would we seek that more? Well, duh, if we're already justified, if we are actually innocent in the eyes of God himself. How happy can we be? There is any singular reason, in my opinion, to seek after a relationship with God through the sacrifice of Christ? That would be it. You'll get exactly what we all deeply want the most. That's all for today. Hope that gives you plenty to think about. Until next time.